Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 7. This is a a long chapter. It's going to be about, uh, uh, looks like, 60 verses. We're going to jump right in. Um, This is uh, uh, Stephen's speech. He he makes a a, a speech to these um, Pharisees that are accusing him. And then they stone him. And his speech is an inspired survey of the nation, of of the fact that no matter what, God re, uh, gave promises to His people, but they did not obey, and they, Mo, and He tells the story of how Moses instructs the people to be looking for a prophet greater than Him, and of course that would be Jesus, and of course He's telling them that you rejected the prophet that Moses predicted. Moses was telling you to look out for. And um, and that's where where you are. So let's uh, in 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 a sense we've all rejected Jesus. We all have sin in our lives. So um, this is a story of the human heart. It is uh, played out through the nation Israel. So chapter seven verse one. I'm going to start here. And the high priest said, "Are these things so?" He's talking about the accusations being brought up to Stephen. And a lot of these are these accusations, as we saw in the last chapter, they were instigated. They were stirred up. Uh, the Pharisees were stirring up the people. Um, they had uh, set up false witnesses, half-truths, trying to bring charges, charges against Stephen for preaching uh, and teaching in the synagogue. So, um, the high priest... Now they arrested him, they brought him before him, and now they're getting ready to try to punish him, to try to catch him, and to say, are these things true? Because they've got these false witnesses. It's a trap. Uh, And what does Stephen do? Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our fathers, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia. So he's starting off with like the history of the nation that they can't dispute before he lived in Haran, and uh, said to him, Go out from your land, and uh, from your kindred, go out into the land that I will show you. 
Then he went out from the land, he's talking about Abraham, of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land which you're now living. So God brought him into uh, the, the, the promised land area. Um, but he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners, in other words, foreigners, in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them for 400 years. He's talking about Egypt. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship me in this place. So he's saying, he's sort of telling the nation that you're, he's sort of telling Abraham that he's, He's not going to get an inheritance, but after him, his descendants will get this place. Uh, verse 8, And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob... And Jacob... The twelve patriarchs. In other words, Jacob had twelve sons, and they became the eventual you know, patriarchs of the tribes of Israel. And the patriarchs were jealous because Joseph was one of the boys. Joseph um, had sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions. Joseph was, in many ways, kind of like Jesus. He got sold. He got put in a pit. Uh, he got rescued by God. Um, and uh, he was then kind of brought into glory and made ruler and had authority. So kind of a foreshadowing picture. Moses, in many ways, uh, is, a, is a foreshadowing of Jesus, too. So um, in the fact that, you know, he was a deliverer in many senses of the word. So... Um, uh, Back to verse 9. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his affliction and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Okay, that's great for Joseph. Now, there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and a great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob, okay, he's back in the kind of the, promised land, heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers, the, his, his sons, on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Okay? And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. So Joseph, I mean, then, so Joseph sends for Jacob. Jacob, all his family comes over in Egypt so that they can have a safe place to live with food. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shem and uh, laying in the tomb that Abraham had brought had bought for a sum of silver for the, from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. So that's where um, Abraham and then his later descendants, Jacob and the rest of the boys, get buried. Verse 17, But as the time of the promise 
drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. And uh, there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. Okay, so as time goes on, a new king comes up. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, uh, kind of foreshadows again what's going to happen with King Herod and Jesus, doesn't it? But um, at this time, verse 20, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. It's kind of like a foreshadowing of Jesus uh, escaping Herod's plot to kill all the babies, just like Moses was able to be saved also. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. Verse 22, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. So Moses kind of is an adopted kid in many senses of the word. Um, verse 23, When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers. So he's going to walk around now. He's leaving the Pharaoh's palace, and he's going to walk around and see his... his uh, you know, his Egyptian kindred, because he knows he's Egyptian. So, um, verse 24, And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but he, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? It's like, whoa. At this retort, Moses fled and, and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he, he became a father of two sons. So Moses knows that the people know now he's a murderer. He doesn't want to get put to death for murder he's he's out of there he's terrified now the egyptians are going to hate him for the murder and the and the hebrews are going to hate him because they don't think much of him and all of a sudden he feels kind of alone now when 40 years had passed an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of mount sinai in a flame of fire in a bush so moses is 40 years now he's in now he's hiding for another 40 years, you know, that's 80 years. When Moses saw this flame of fire in the bush, he was amazed at the sight and he drew near to look. And there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. So it kind of foreshadows Christ's coming down in person, doesn't it? He's come down. And the guy that he's going to send is Moses as a deliverer and reconciler. But again, it shows you that Moses tries to, to be the salvation and the reconciliation 
by his own hands, but he gets rejected. He's not good enough to reconcile or save with his own hands. But God's going to come down to do it. So God's going to be working through Moses to do it. It foreshadows Christ coming down without needing any help because he will be the ultimate salvation and the ultimate reconciler. This Moses, now Stephen says, this Moses whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea in the wilderness for 40 years. So another 40 years has gone by. He was in the wilderness 40 years. Now he's out in the back in the wilderness with the whole nation of Egypt for 40 years. So now he's, he's got to be like, what, 120 years old? This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angels who spoke to him at Mount Sinai with our fathers. So again, this is the Moses who said God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Okay, so this prophet Moses was the greatest prophet until Christ comes. Okay, there's a bunch of others. But this is the one who spoke about Jesus. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him. But thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Made for us gods who will go before us. And as for this, Moses, who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol. They were rejoicing in the works of their hands, but God turned away. He gave them over to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets, did you uh, bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god, Rapan, the images that you made to worship. I will send you into exile to Babylon. So, again, God turned away because they were now rejecting Moses, trying to you know go back to what they understood and could see and hear. They're, mo they're worshiping the, the idols. Verse 44, our gods had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David. So remember, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. Joshua did. Joshua drove out, you know, the people in the promised land. And, and it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked him to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house. He's talking about Solomon's temple. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by Hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these other things? 
these all these things. So he's kind of bringing him in through Joshua and then David. And he's kind of saying that even Solomon trying to build such a glorious place, you know, it doesn't fit God. God's too big for this. 50, verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, this is Stephen then talking to them like, you're not so different from all these people rejecting God all the years. Here you are now still rejecting God in your heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. A shout out here to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working in the Old Testament just like the Holy Spirit works in the New Testament. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Rhetorical question there. In other words, you persecuted everybody. And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Okay? Moses announced it and all the prophets did too. Whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Okay, you murdered the righteous one that Moses was talking about and all the prophets were talking about. You murdered that righteous one from God. Woo, this is heavy. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. You got the law from God. You didn't keep it. And you murdered his righteous one. Now, Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And as... And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. All right. They're saying, Saul, we got to take care of business. This Christianity is getting too much. They're accusing me. They're accusing us. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. After falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The first martyr of the church right here. And he gives a complete rendition of the hardening of the hearts. Rejecting what God's plan was. Because they think they can figure out God's plan. They think they know what's going on better than God. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. As always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time tomorrow as we continue our study through the book of Acts. What an amazing book to look at. So relevant for us today. And as always, our prayers go out for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. God bless you all. We'll see you here next time tomorrow. 
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to verse 26. So we have come to the second major division in this book. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had said, You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. So from chapters 8 to chapter 12 of the book of Acts, we have the Lord Jesus Christ at work by the Holy Spirit through um, through um, his apostles. So we left off last time with two young men on two opposite sides. Um, and this was Stephen, who was... Um, one of the deacons of the church and the first martyr and then we also have Saul of Tarsus a young Pharisee who was persecuting the church so verse 1 of Acts chapter 8 reads now Saul was consenting to his death that's to uh, Stephen's death at that time great persecution arose against the church which was at jerusalem and they were all scattered through the regions of judea and samaria except the apostles so judea and samaria were the second territories they were to actually go into that's the apostles so judea surrounded jerusalem and samaria was to the north of to the north of Jerusalem verse 2 goes on to read and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him so here um, this what we have here is a picture of a Christian burial so the method of a Christian burial is like sowing seed because you know there's been so many questions and how, you know how should a christian be buried uh should they be cremated or you know should they be embalmed um the bible doesn't really restrict on how a christian should be buried but you know if we look at the first burial of a christian you know stephen was placed in the ground so it's more like sowing seed um you know obviously when you sow seed you, you know because from dust we came to dust we shall return so you know when you sow seed it's not that we go and burn the seed or it's like um paul had actually put it um paul the apostles actually put it in scripture that you know it's more like you place um you take a you, you know you place somebody in a hotel or a motel um to go and you know rest sleep it doesn't you know necessarily mean oh you go and burn the body no you place the person to go actually go and sleep or you sow a seed you plant a seed back into the soil you do not plant that seed to burn it so what we have here is like a picture of a christian burial how anyway it's supposed to be so verse 3 goes on to read as for saul he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison so this is the young man with the zeal of prosecuting the church and that was Saul of Tarsus verse 4 goes on to read therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching 
the word. So the effect of the prosecution didn't actually hinder the church. It's actually fathered the work of the church, the gospel. So the church can't be hurt from the outside. You know, the persecution did prove that, you know, the church was not hurt, but, you know, the word went out. But the church can actually be hurt from the inside. And we'll actually see um, that a little later on in our study. Uh, you know, because the devil tried to hurt the church from the outside until he realized, you know, you have to go and join it and be and act like one of them in order to hurt it. Verse 5 goes on to read, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So we now have Philip here, um, who is the second deacon, who actually we are introduced to as the chief witness after um, the death of Stephen. So here they have gone to um, Samaria as the Lord Jesus Christ had said to them that they would be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Verse 6 goes on to read, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So Philip had the assigned gifts of the early church, so the ones in the places of leadership. Um, it's not everyone who had them. It was actually the ones in the places of leadership who were actually um, taking out the word. They're the ones that had these gifts. So that was the deacons and the apostles. And, you know, these assigned gifts, um, when did they actually end? You know, as Dr. Jim McGee put it, they ended, you know, with the apostles because now we had the commission of the word uh, and the preaching um, that was now given to us by the apostles and you know the bible here we have the word of god verse 7 goes on to read for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and they were gr there was great joy in that city so the coming of the gospel into samaria brought great joy and philip was well received you know, as the church grew so fast and swiftly, there was coming into the church those that were actually not believers, but they made a profession of it. So we're going to see these religious racketeers now slowly creeping into the church. Verse 9 goes on to read, But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished or bewitched the people um, of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. So, um, to verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So, here now, people in Samaria actually felt like this man was of God. And this is what usually happens to these religious racketeers. You know, they come up and say, you know, oh, hey, you know, um, it's about them. Like, miracles can only happen um, you know, or, or, or signs or whatever it is they're practicing can only happen like with them so that everyone should actually look to them that, you know, they are of great power and, you know, so people should turn to um, this particular person. Like, you know, um, this can only be attributed to this particular person. And, you know, you have this 
you know, hero worshipping or people worshipping and instead of turning to God. Um, verse 11 goes on to read, And they heeded him because he had astonished, or in other you know, versions says, bewitched them with his sorceries for a long time. So there are lots of people today who are actually bewitched or astounded by men. Like I said earlier, so people look to man instead of to God and to his word. People tend to see, oh my gosh, the power is coming from this particular person. And, you know, everything is centered around this particular person. Even then some people subtly try to say, oh, hey, it's not me. But, you know, at the end of the day, people still turn and look to this particular person. Verse 12 reads, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So this man, Simon, the sorcerer, had made a profession of faith unto the ministry of Philip. And Philip had come into contact with this man, Simon. So he's one of the first religious racketeers recorded in scripture in the church, that's in the early church, and he professes to be a believer during the sweeping revival of Philip and goes um, during the sweeping revival of Philip, sorry, and goes through all the, you know, outward ceremonies and rituals. So he actually believes and is baptized and becomes a friend of Philip. Verse 13 goes on to read, Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done so he actually he's exposed to christianity and he's impressed but he is not converted so he goes out he goes through all the outward rituals and ceremonies so a lot of folk do this today so we should examine ourselves and see if we are in the faith or not if we're just not practicing that religious outwardness verse 14 goes on to read and now the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them. So when they heard there was a great revival in Samaria, they actually sent two apostles to go and check on them. Verse 15 goes on to read, Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So we have here a great company of professing believers and they had not been born again for they were not baptized into the church by the Holy Spirit. So they were not indwelt by the Spirit of God. So they were not saved. So the apostles, when they're checked and um, they prayed for them, verse 16, so that they could be and they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 goes on to read just uh sorry verse 16 sorry yeah. mm, reads for as yet he had fallen upon none of them that's the Holy Spirit they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So just you know the outward going through you know of a ritual or a ceremony will not make one a Christian. So you may be go you may go to church and get dipped in water and you know receive the holy communion and do all these things, go through the outward religious um ceremony, but you know, one may not, you know, um be converted. 
but you know they they actually do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so one you know we ought to check ourselves like are we um, believers are we indwelt with the Spirit of God is it guiding us so this actually gives us a background of why Simon uh, that's the racketeer was able to actually put out a racket over the others because he liked the idea of performing miracles verse 17 goes on to read then they laid the hands then they laid hands on them and they received the holy spirit so this brought them into partnership with the apostles and the holy spirit and they now believed in christ so it took an apostle here to open up um it you know to open up to the world the word of god the gospel to um to these places so peter on the day of pentecost um in Jerusalem opened up the word of God Peter and John in Samaria and Judea and we have Paul the Apostle out to the Gentiles verse 18 goes on to read and when Simon saw that through the laying of hands the Apostles through the laying hand through the laying of hands of the Apostles um, hands sorry let me just read that again when Simon saw that through the laying of on of the apostles hands the holy spirit was given he offered them money verse 19 saying give me this power also that anyone on whom i lay hands may receive the holy spirit okay so simon here the record here wanted to actually pay um of you know he wanted to pay for that gift um you know where he saw you know when they lay hands you know a miracle happens and you know they people receive are indulged by the holy spirit because he's a phony um he's a racketeer and he wanted to use it for a profit so there has been religious racketeers today that actually are going around astounding people bewitching people the multitudes and this actually hurts the cause of christ it hurts the church more than anything like we said earlier on you know the church cannot be heard from the outside but from the inside so the persecution from the outside scattered the church and it actually helped to spread the gospel even further and further away but when they got inside you know when satan got inside and you know they were baptized you have this simon the racketeer he was baptized they actually heard the church and professed to believers but were they were actually not converted so jesus christ was betrayed from the inside you know one of his apostles that's judas he is the one who betrayed jesus christ and um, jesus christ was crucified by the romans verse 20 goes on to read and this is um simon peter he actually answers simon the racketeer but peter said to him your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of god could be purchased with money and um verse 21 goes on to read you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of god so simon simon the racketeer's heart is not right with god and you know simon peter actually tells him this verse 22 goes on to read repent therefore of your wickedness and pray god if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven verse 23 for i see that you are 
poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Verse 24 goes on to read, Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. So here, this Simon, the record here, he doesn't ask to be prayed for that he might be saved and converted. He just doesn't want any of the things that I have that um, Simon Peter has mentioned to happen to him. So um, now verse 25 goes on to read, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So now the gospel is starting out to the ends of the world. So it's left Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where the apostles will actually remain so they will be a church there so now verse 26 we come to a new section and this is from verse 26 to verse 40 and um here um verse 26 reads now an angel of the lord spoke to philip saying arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from jerusalem to gaza this is desert so this area is north of Jerusalem and Philip is told to go down south having spoken to the multitudes in Samaria and he's now actually sent out there to Gaza and there, when he got there there was actually no one and um, later on he, we see that he there in Gaza he actually meets uh, an Ethiopian eunuch and is to witness to the eunuch. So this is where we end today's study. And um, it's been an interesting study. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.